This is Bethel Online. Welcome home. This is the next best thing to being at Bethel on Sundays. We are driven by making disciples of Jesus who make disciples. When you're online, interact with us on Facebook and Instagram. When you're in Barhead, Alberta, drop in Sundays to Friday. Our goal on this podcast is to ask questions, challenge certainty, and grow a relationship with Jesus so you can go the distance and bring others with you. Thank you for tuning in. I want to close off our gathering by talking about the goodness of God. I'm not sure about you, if you're on social media, if you're on Facebook or Twitter, um, if you connect with people who aren't like you, um, there's a Twitter page that I follow. It's uh, produced by atheists. Uh, And I love it when people make your case for you. So here's a tweet that went out last Saturday night. I was going to use it last Sunday, but I decided to wait. So this is what um, the Atheist Forum tweeted out. Christianity, this is the definition that they put there of Christianity. Belief that one God created a universe 13.79 billion years ago, 93 billion light years in diameter, um, consisting of over 200 billion galaxies, each consisting of an average of 200 billion stars. Now notice the last line. Only to have a personal relationship with you. (laughs) Isn't that amazing? So an atheist goes, are you crazy? Are you stupid? Do you think that if there was a God like that, he would care about you? That's what they're trying to say, right? And we're going, yes. (laughs) That's exactly right. That's what I believe. That that God who made all those things, he cares about me personally. I love it when somebody else makes the case for me, especially if somebody doesn't believe like me. And uh, that whole aspect there, if that sums up to me. And I've, I've printed that off. I put it in front of my journal so I can read it every day because that's the goodness of God. The whole idea that the God who would make everything would care about me personally. That's the beauty of Christianity, and that's the beauty of faith. And if you're here today and you're trying to source out faith, you're watching online, this is exactly what we're all about. The first thing that God tells us in the first book of the Bible is that when he made everything, he made it good. Not only is it good, but it's very good. He he doesn't just leave it at that one word. It's the idea that whatever he makes, he makes it very good. And when you're thinking about God, and when you're trying to figure out who God is, There's lots of different words associated with him, and maybe you heard them if you've grown up in church. Or maybe if you didn't grow up in church, you still heard them spoken of by people. But that word, good, when you think of all the things that God would want to know himself by, it's the word, good. You may associate holy, or judge, or severe, uh, or righteous, but God wants himself to be known as good, the goodness of God. That's what he wants you to know more than anything else. In fact, God just doesn't do good. He is good. It's not something that God does. It's something that he is. We do good, but we're not good. We're not perfectly good, right? We don't get it right all the time, everywhere, with every person, but God is. He gets it right all the time, everywhere, every person. He is good through and through. There is no bad in God. There's no evil in God. God is good. And I want to walk through a couple of things because of what we're going to be doing in March on Sunday mornings. But the one thing I want you to take away and to know in your heart that simply that God is good. When Moses in the Old Testament wants to know God, he says, I want to see your glory. 
And so what God does is God reveals himself to Moses. And he says this, I will make all my goodness pass before you. So God could have chosen a lot of things. I will make my mercy pass before you. I will make my holiness pass before you. I will make my righteousness pass before me. But he chose to say, I will make my goodness pass before you. If you're a leader like Moses, you need to know that God's good. Because very often in leaders or in parents, you find out that things don't always feel like they're good. It's hard sometimes. Life is hard. And because life is hard, you wonder, can God be good? When so many things transpire, like, like I say, yesterday, I officiated a funeral for a 55-year-old man, had no time to prepare to die, had a heart attack, and he was gone instantly. Two little kids, both under the age of 12. That doesn't seem good. That seems really bad. That seems hard. So how do you reconcile a God who you talked about, Pastor Bob, that made the whole world and all those stars and is good through and through in a world where there can be so much bad, where people get sick, where people die too soon, where children get cancer, where things just go sideways, where prayers are offered and the opposite occurs than what was asked for in the prayers. How can God be good in the midst of that? I want to deal with those as we go through the month of March. I want to deal with them in a way that goes beyond just a simple trite answer, uh, but answers questions. And here's the key thing here, that God has no grandchildren. God has no grandchildren. So when I say that I want you to know that God is good, it's not enough that your parents believe that God is good. It's not enough that your friends believe that God is good. It's not enough that your pastor believes that God is good. It's important for you to believe and to know that, that God is good. And how do you find that out? How do you discover that God really is good? Well, there's an invitation and a procedure in the book of Psalms that says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in him. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Just by a show of hands, can I see all the parents and grandparents that are here? Can you just lift up your hand? Okay. So question, have you ever tried to help your child learn to eat something that is good for them that they don't like, right? Have, have you ever heard yourself just saying, just taste it, you'll see that it's okay, right? I'm a parent, I've been there, we've all done that, right? And, and so you want to help them know, especially if what they're going to eat is foreign to them, but it's really good, not only good for them, but good to them, and they'll like it, they just have to try it. That's what it is to taste and see that God is good. You see, you have to lean in. You can't just show up. You can't rely on somebody else who says, yeah, God is good. Okay, I'll believe that. I was talking with, uh, at the funeral yesterday, I was talking with um, a mom, and uh, she was talking about what, what happens in families, and she was mentioning about kids in her own family that are 19 and 21, and that both of them were raised in church, but both of them don't go to church anymore. And they were, they were asking a lot of questions, and she used this term. They were rebelling against everything that we shared with them. And I said, I said, Mom, how about if you change the word rebel to searching? What, what if they're searching for something? What if they're searching for an answer that they don't have yet? And so church became irrelevant to them, and maybe their thought about God, it just wasn't satisfying anymore, and they're really trying to search and figure out what is real, and so they've made some choices, not to step in, but to lean away. But that, that won't last forever, because they'll get answers. And sometimes in the midst of searching, when we call somebody a rebel, it actually shuts them down. Because if they're not allowed to ask questions, and if they're not allowed to have doubt, then 
They just would rather step back, right? Take a step out rather than a step in. And we want Bethel to be a place where people can step in, where questions and skepticism and doubt are very much important. So actually, this is the way that you taste to see that God is good. Three things. First of all, ask questions. Ask honest questions. If you're not quite sure about God and his goodness, ask honest questions. I, I love to answer questions. There, I don't think there's anything a pastor loves more than to answer or at least hear questions. I, I like to have an answer, but I don't always have an answer. And you won't get a pat answer out of me. And there are other people that would love to answer questions if you ask them, honestly. And so what we want to do in the month of March is to go through a series of messages called, I Have a Friend Who... So here's your opportunity to ask a question for your friend. You have a friend, and they have a question, and you want to ask it on their behalf. So if it's your question, it's okay. You can still say, Pastor, I have a friend who, and it can be your question. I'd like to know those questions, because we want to address them in March. I don't have anything prepared for next Sunday. I'm waiting on you. Uh, we talked about this with the staff and with the board and the idea that we would just do this. And so all through March, all five Sundays, we're going to address questions that your friends have or that you have. And uh, so you can do that. You can take one of those yellow cards, please, on the back. There's like prayer requests. Mark your question on that card, please. Um, a question you have, a question your friend has, a question you've heard that you would like to have answered. And, and we'll address those through the month of March. And when, you've, when you have your question written down, you can do a couple of things with it. You can leave it at the, um, the table in the foyer, the red table. Cheyenne is going to be there. In fact, you saw some invitations to volunteer. Uh, if you haven't been a part of the Easter Choir yet and signed up, you can see Cheyenne at the table. Um, if you'd like to get involved anywhere else, and I encourage you to do that, just show up at the table. Or you could leave your card there. Or you could leave it at either of the... Uh, bistro tables with the black covers in the foyer. Uh, just place that there, and uh, we'll look through them and, and see how we do with uh, answering questions. So next Sunday, you've got to show up, figure out what the question is that we're going to answer, and uh, this is going to be exciting. So the big thing in tasting that God is good, ask on his questions. That's how you find out. Ask. If you've been shut down before because you asked a question that somebody couldn't answer and they felt embarrassed because they couldn't answer, ask it again. Keep asking it. Press in. The second thing you need to do is embrace your doubts. See, if you have doubts, those are good things. Don't try to deny them or do, put them away. Doubts are really good. In fact, in your life, doubt is kind of the opposite side of the same coin of faith. A lot of times in our lives, we try, as Christians, to ensure that we have certainty. We feel that if we're certain about things, then our faith must be strong. But certainty is not the outcome of faith. If you're a person who has strong faith, it doesn't mean that you have strong certainty. I believe that the outcome, and I just don't believe this, the Bible says this, the outcome of faith is love. That when you have strong faith, you will be a person known for your love, for your grace, your lack of prejudice, being non-judgmental, of being accepting, being caring, compassionate, if you look in the book of James, it says that show me your faith by your works. And our works are evidenced by our love and our compassion and our care. And so faith and strong faith isn't about being, having, like knowing everything and being certain about everything. Faith is about love. And when you have strong faith, you have bold love. And other people feel that and see that. And 
that's where doubt and skepticism comes in. If you're a skeptic and you feel skeptical and you felt, well, I can't be a Christian if I feel that way. Yes, you can. In fact, the strongest Christians were the deepest skeptics and the ones that had the most doubt. And I shared that quote earlier about, from an atheist organization. Some of the strongest atheists became followers because they asked questions. People like C.S. Lewis, Malcolm Muggridge, people like uh, Lee Strobel, who worked for the Chicago Tribune. They were honest with their questions and they found answers. And when they found those answers, it caused them to think, I can't be an atheist now that I know this. There is a God who is good, who loves me. There was a Jesus who died for me, who was raised from the dead. Those are truths. That's historic. And I can lean into that and believe that. And you see, if you have uncertainty and if you feel skeptical at times, don't diminish where you are. Embrace that. Move forward with that. If you feel 100% certain of everything, you don't have faith. Because if you're 100% certain of everything, you don't need faith. Faith is what you have because you can't empirically prove everything. But you know what? The Bible says that faith pleases God. And without faith, it's impossible to please Him. So He likes us to be uncertain and even skeptical, but to use our faith to lean in and taste and see that he really is good. The third thing, well, I go back to this, the whole idea of having a personal relationship with you. You see, that's what God wants for you. He wants a personal relationship with you, and if you're here and you haven't made a decision to take that journey, to follow him personally, if you're a teenager, uh, if you're a young adult, a child, and and really, when you think about it, what you've come to is your parents' faith or the church's faith or somebody else's faith, and you've kind of just piggybacked on that, and you wanted to make it your own, and you found it in the process that maybe your questions have made other people feel awkward, and maybe you haven't found the answers you're looking for, and maybe that's what keeps you from making a choice to follow Jesus. Put all that aside. Lean in, taste and see that God is good, and that the choice to follow him is a good choice. You'll be pleased in doing that. You really will. Because it brings me to the last point, and we'll conclude with this. Believe Jesus. Not believe on or believe in, but believe Jesus. Believe what Jesus, who he is, and what he did. And I think there's no greater evidence about the goodness of God than going to Good Friday. How could a day be good when it involves a death? But it's good because Jesus came to die for us as a sacrifice for us. So the reality is, friends, is that there is something called sin in our world. It's why everything is broken. We're broken, people are broken, systems are broken, the whole world really is broken. That's why we have poverty, that's why we have homelessness, that's why we have marital breakdown, that's why we have murder and wars, all those things. That arises out of the fact that internally we have a need. We need God. We need we need his salvation. We need his forgiveness. We need a relationship with him, and he sent Jesus to do that. And, and the only way to create that was for Jesus to die. God can't die, but men can. And men aren't perfect. We need a Savior. And so God became man so he could die in our place, so that we could live, not just in this life, but forever. And it's not about joining a religion or being a part of a church. It's about experiencing this incredible relationship with God that an atheist would write about and say, this can't be possible, right? That whole thing about who God is, you actually believe that God cares about you? Yes. And the ability to understand what Jesus did for us on the cross by dying for us, that's the beginning of that following. And it simply takes you saying yes to him, to follow after him. And like I say, 
Jesus dying on the cross, but even more importantly, the ability for God to bring good out of bad. That when you follow after Jesus, you do discover that God works things together for the good of a person, even out of bad. That he takes the trauma and the tragedy and the bad of life, the setbacks, the disappointments, the hurt, the brokenness, he takes all that and in a merciful, loving, good way, brings good out of it to us. And those evidences, the idea of being able to ask questions, to embrace your doubts or your uncertainty or your skepticism, and the ability to believe Jesus, all those three things are the way you taste and see that God really is good. And I've never found any person in my life that hasn't done those three things in an honest way and has not come away saying, God is real. He hasn't let me down. He really is real. And I want to follow him. And as we close off this gathering today, I trust that you would take these words with you, that God is good. He doesn't just do good. He is good. That he's good all the time. And that his goodness is how he wants you to know him. And that that goodness can be best experienced truly as you lean into him. Taste and see that he is good. Ask questions. Embrace your doubts. Believe Jesus. And then follow with everything you got in your life after him. 100% of everything that you are to give to him and serve him. And you'll discover, as Leanne sang for us, that your, his faithfulness, his goodness to us, has never let us down. It's always there. It's solid. And the last verse I leave you is from Psalm 23. And it simply says that goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. Goodness and mercy. Lord, I thank you for this day. Thank you for everyone and their choice to come and gather in this place. Thank you for what you did for us by becoming like us, by caring enough about us that you created us. We needed a savior and you came for us. And I thank you that that personal relationship with you out of the seven billion people in this world, you know us individually. And you want us to know you and to follow after you. This is eternal life that you would know the one true God. And we want to have that quality of life now and for all eternity. So thank you today for your goodness. We acknowledge that. We declare it. We choose to lean in and taste and know that you are good. And I pray for every person here, those watching online, those that are honestly asking questions, those that have doubts in their own lives, those who even feel a bit skeptical, that you would free them from feeling like that's not the way they should be, but help them to embrace that and find a way forward and to, and to see as they test you and prove you that you are good, that you are faithful. And so we just close this gathering today, Jesus, with a word to you of saying that we love you, we honor you, we want to follow you, and uh, we thank you and pray this in your name for your glory. Amen. Amen. All right. For all of you here, that today, this was your day, the 23rd of February, 2020, was the day that you say, I want to follow Jesus. Would you take out, again, one of those yellow cards that's in front of you, the welcome one, and would you, um, would you just mark down there your name or your, and your email address or your cell number? Um, I'd love to know so I could uh, connect with you and follow up with you. Uh, you could leave those cards, as they say, with Cheyenne or one of the tables. And if you're watching online, if you would just text the word follow to that number we talked about, 780-707-5569. And God bless you. 
Again, thank you for being here. Let's go uh, from this place today. Let's make a difference in our homes, in our schools, in our community. And then let's come back next Sunday and see what question uh, that we'll be able to deal with. And invite your friends to come along. Um, so God bless you. Thank you for being here today.